Welcome to the Life Outside podcast. Uh, it's been, again, I feel like I said this the last time. It's been a while. Um, life gets busy. It's been a while. It's been a while. <laughs> Who sings that? I don't even know. Probably not you. Not me. But, um, yeah, so we're here. We have a very special guest on again today. Uh, very Another excited. Another one. Another one. Another one to get on this conversation. It's been a few good months winter um i feel like here in western mass hasn't been the most winter winter we could possibly have uh, today was the first like actual snowstorm we've had yeah definitely out here i mean it's been dodging us it's been dodging us but the, the cold the cold has stayed though the cold's been weird it'll, it'll be 60 one day and then negative five the next it's not been fun yeah yeah and i feel like it's been definitely really tough to get into like any winter sports like i got some new snowshoes for christmas and haven't been able to use them until today so um pretty excited that we finally got some snow looks like eight ten inches in some spots um went out shooting all day and yeah but austin you, you've been up to anything outside recently anything crazy um besides seeing a lot of deer and it not being deer season uh no but i took a walk out back today just to kind of scope things out with the snow and everything it's nice to actually have some snow i've been wanting to go skiing but there hasn't been snow here so i'm not too sure about how the conditions are elsewhere uh so yeah just kind of hanging out walking the dogs a lot i mean it's been nice since it's not tick season to take them for nice long runs by the river and stuff and Go for a few hikes, but I mean that's about it. It's been pretty crappy here. Yeah, it's been it's been tough. I mean, cold, like you said earlier, cold, muddy when it's not cold, and just not feeling like winter. Like today, I was finally like, all right, this feels like it should. Um, when it comes to spending spending some time exploring the outdoors and stuff like that. But today we have a very special guest on. Uh, our good friend, Luke Toretto, someone who, again, completely embodies the the spirit of living the life outside, um, someone who definitely spends a lot of time through work, through play, in the outdoors, whether it's here or in the mountains out west, uh, definitely some pretty crazy things. I mean, I've seen some crazy stuff from him sending it down mountains out in the Tetons or hitting the trails at Berkshire East, things like that. But so welcome on to the show, Luke. Uh, thanks for being our second guest here. Man. Thanks guys. Um, excited to be here and excited to see you guys get this going. Um, and it's cool. We grew up together to see the, the progression of everybody as they grow older and, and what they do. So I'm psyched to be here. Amen. We're happy to have you, brother. It's very cool. So I think I kind of want to start, take it way back. Cause like we played little league baseball together. Um, I think that's how I met you. Yeah. Little league baseball that had to have been it. And then middle school and, and stuff like that. Um, but where did you really get the, the drive to like spend time competing in like outdoor sports, um, like skiing and, and, and stuff like that? Yeah. I mean, you mentioned, baseball um and austin and i played baseball together as well and we played soccer so i grew up playing pretty traditional ball sports 
Um, mm-hmm. But I discovered the outdoors really in my backyard. I grew up um, lucky, really lucky with five acres of land. Three of it was field. And then we had the Green River behind the house. Um, so in the summers, we were swimming every day. Um, you know, now they've unfortunately they've had to come up with a term for it, like free range parenting. But, you know, they let us <laughs> they let us just go free. And, um, you know, we're, we're playing in the woods and um, cross country skiing a lot in the backyard playing wiffle ball. Um, I mean, just, that's just was normal outside. And my parents were part-time organic farmers. So, you know, they're out there farming and, uh, and you guys were coming over and getting in trouble in the woods and stuff. Um, yeah, isn't that crazy that they've actually had to like name that something? Because when we were growing up and we kind of touched on it with Adam and yeah. you know the first episode that that was pretty normal for us. I mean, Luke's backyard was legendary. You know, the nice hill where you could, you know, do sliding sports in the winter, or the leaf pile wars in the summer, you know, king of the hill or whatever. And then you just run down back and, you know, go in the river and stuff. And it was weird because also at that time, you know, we never got ticks at his house, but we were always in the crap. I mean, we we're always, you know, having a good time doing whatever over his whole backyard property and stuff. And it was just a blast. And that's crazy that I've never heard the like freelance or whatever parenting. That's yeah, free range. That's, that's crazy. <laughs> <Free range. Yes. laughs> or like chickens now. <laughs> right. Right. And, and the, the backstory for the listeners with the leaf pile is um, like leaves make great compost. So my parents would put up a sign, say leaves wanted, and we would dump them off the sledding hill. So we'd have this big pile and you could run off the hill and jump into the leaves and we would just get like so dirty and covered. And, and like Austin said, the ticks weren't as bad back then. So, um, I think that's where a lot of us did our first front flips, attempted backflips <laughs> and stuff. And totally. Yeah. So was, I mean, Western mass was a great place to grow up. Um, yeah, it's just like quiet and in the woods and there wasn't a lot going on, you know, as we got older bonfires and that whole thing, regular small town stuff. But yeah, so that, that's where I got, what got the love. Um, and my parents were really nature oriented too. So it was almost like a spiritual thing growing up too. Like my mom goes for walks every morning in the woods and I mean, people laugh, she like hugs this tree and, um, <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, it's just, I, it's just part of me, period. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a good way to live. I think that a lot of us lose sight of our connection to the outdoors. I mean, especially if you live in an urban area, it's tough. Um, But I think the good thing, at least with the last, what, two years now, is that a lot of people have been kind of reconnecting with spending time outside. Like I know, me, for example, like I picked up photography and that kind of forces me to want to be outside every chance that I can. Um, I liked hiking prior, but I was never like a grew up playing video games and stuff like that. I mean, I spent a lot of time outside when I was younger, um, but through the high school years and stuff like that, kind of shaded away from that and then went away to college in a city and thought, oh, I was going to be living urban scenario and stuff like that but then the whole covid thing came through and decided to start spending time outside and now i can't imagine not being out there like 
today walking, snowshoeing through the woods, like with how quiet it was and just absolutely nothing going on except for a few birds chirping here and there and just the snow pounding. It was like absolute heaven on earth. But it's definitely, I feel like a lot of people do not do connect, but do, don't at the same time. Um, I feel like with the short attention spans, people people need some action or things like that. So I guess with that action, Luke. <laughs> yeah. I, I've I've seen some videos of, of you doing some crazy stuff out in the out in the Tetons. Is it normal to like hike up to the top of these like massive peaks and then ski down on what seems like could possibly be like avalanche type snow? Definitely. Um the normal in Jackson is not normal, mm-hmm. but it becomes normal here. Um, so I would say, yeah, the, the people that live here definitely get into backcountry skiing. Um, I love backcountry skiing. It slows things down. There's this whole exploration side of it that really excites me. Um, there's definitely a danger side of it, and I've tried to step in slowly. I mean, I think everyone makes mistakes and the crazy thing about avalanche terrain is most of the time you get away with it. So some yep. people don't even know they're getting making mistakes and they're getting this positive reinforcement because they're getting away with it, getting away with it. Um, so I've tried to step in slowly, take some avalanche courses. Um, I'm lucky enough to go out with backcountry guides sometimes at work. Um, I'm a ski instructor. I'm sure we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, yeah, so I, I really love it. And that's why I returned to Jackson this winter is um, the winters here are amazing. And there's just over a lifetime of exploring you could do in these mountains um, for backcountry skiing. And like, I, I just felt like I couldn't, I couldn't not come back. There's like a piece of me that's still here and, and has yep. kind of unfinished business to do. And I love challenging myself physically I love the challenge of like, okay, how are we going to move through this terrain and not get ourselves killed or, you know, hurt somebody else or make them come rescue us. And, um, so it's this really maybe like primal kind of experience. And Austin, you might be able to talk about that with hunting where you're kind of tapping into something that's innate in you as a human. Um, I imagine like you feel the same there. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. I mean, I don't nearly as far as my, you know, young hunting experience goes, you know, I was, you'll find out Luke, you know, there's actually a term for this is an adult onset hunter, which is mean, you know, you don't hunt, you know, it's not like you're not like raised on it. Okay. I watched like hunting shows and stuff growing up. My uncle's hunted, but I was never invited. So right. uh, I kind of took it upon myself with the help of my neighbor who's been showing me his ways of how to go about it. Um, but I don't get too far out there. I'd say like you do, I'm really fortunate to where I can go across the street from my house or you know, down by you know, a mile or two away and still kind of be in civilization. But, um, there is definitely some primal, like, you know, it's just you and the animal, you know, even though you're in there, you know, you step into their territory, you don't know what's going on. You try, you're trying to figure out what they're thinking while also still trying to keep in check what you're doing and, you know the heart rate lowers your breathing lowers and you know your senses are a little peaked like you know if you ask anyone else they can't no one knows what a deer smells like but i could tell you what a buck versus a doe smells like just from 
being you know that close to them in their habitat. That's crazy. I feel like when you get that on that level with like nature in general, and you put yourself in these situations, like whether you're skiing down a hill, hiking up a mountain, trudging through a waterfall, things like that, or chasing an animal, you do get that. It's me versus, but with nature type thing. And, and it's the weirdest, but like the most simple feeling and mindset that at least I've ever experienced. Like when I'm out there and I'm looking for owls or wolves or whatever, whatever I'm looking for wildlife wise. Um, and you're just so in tune with every step that you take and every motion with it, but also knowing that if you'd make the wrong move, no matter where you are, it could be either one, in my case, don't walk away with a photo or you get hurt or things like that. Like worst, worst case scenario, you end up severely hurting yourself and, and it ends up lethal. Um, but there is this like slow connection with nature that like just completely has to be respected in any situation where you're dealing with it. Yeah, I think you nailed it on the the slow down. Um, obviously, the world's so fast paced, and like doing these things is the way that I find I can really slow down. And I would say if, if you want to get to a point where you're operating in the present, these are the ways you get there. It's like you put yourself in a situation where you have to. Um, and it kind of sounds like that's what you're saying. Definitely. definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So, kind of want to throw it back. So, sure. How did you get started working in like the out outdoor industry? Because yeah. for those for those that don't know and that are listening, Luke has worked as a ski instructor, uh, raft guiding, right? Yeah, I can give you the resume if you want. Yeah, yeah, let's yeah, run <laughs> and, it down for and us. And I here. kind of uh, when we were talking about growing up, we kind of stopped there. But um, yeah, so I went I went to UMass Amherst. I stayed close to home. Uh, graduated in 2017. And when I graduated, um, I had done kind of more serious internships. Like I worked for a solar company and a building company in college. Um, so then when I graduated, I went raft guided for the summer um, and just had a blast. We were pretty much like living out of our cars, like three to five days a week at the mountain, um, partying a bunch, um, kind of getting into the multi-sport day things like we'd go on the river and work and then after work go kayaking or go mountain biking um and that was the first exposure to like being able to spend the entire day outside which really gets me going um yeah and then i landed a job ski instructing out here in jackson sometime in the fall um i i always knew i wanted to come west um i love the east but i i didn't I just, I needed to get out of there. I was pretty restless yep. and I just needed to go like, like I didn't grow up with a ton of money, so we didn't travel much. So I had this itch to get out of here. And then, yeah, so I moved to Jackson in November of 2017. I had a you know great first year of ski instructing. I had experience teaching in Massachusetts part-time for six years. So I came in with some I was certifications. Also one of his first students. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I started ski instructing when I was 16. 
really liked it. Oh, the other thing I forgot that summer after college, I was bike guiding a little bit too. And I remember having this moment where I, I just was like, this is cool. Like, I really like teaching. My parents are teachers. My brother's a teacher. And I had this kind of epiphany moment of like, I want to do this more. Like, maybe this is what I want to do with my career. At least I want to pursue it for a while. Um, so that's, yeah, what kind of led to that. And then I was in Jackson full time for three and a half, four years. Um, spent a summer raft guiding out here and then I worked in a bike shop. I uh, learned how to be a bike mechanic, which was awesome. Just skills I'm going to have the rest of my life and working with my hands. That kind of taught me I like to work with my hands. Um, like I did some carpentry last summer. I like that. Yeah. And then last summer I went on the Grand Canyon. Uh, we had a group of buddies from Jackson, mostly ski instructors. Um, friend Gabe pulled a permit. So we went down to the Grand Canyon for 21 days and rafted that just fully disconnected from the world and had a great experience. Um, got out of there, drove back to Massachusetts, the, the long drive across country. Um, and I started Berkshire Bike Tours, which was uh, my small company that we did uh, guided gravel rides and mountain bike instruction. And that was a whole nother crazy experience of essentially teaching myself how to run a business and learn about insurance and workers comp and advertising and, you know, all of that stuff that some of it's a total pain in the butt and some of it was great. Um, yeah, so did that for last summer and it went semi well, had some, you know, really good success in the fall with that. Um, and then drove back out and here I am in Jackson for the winter and I'll, I'll head back east in, uh, end of April to, uh, yeah, so again in the summer. You, you said you didn't travel west much. Had you ever been to Jackson before you took that job? Did, I mean, what was your connection to Jackson before you even decided to? hoof it out there good question um i had been i had been skiing out west twice once in utah once in colorado just kind of strung together barely strung it together financially in college to make that happen um, but i had never been to jackson i had just watched the ski movies and knew it was kind of the place it was big terrain and good snow um and then there's this weird connection between the Deerfield River and their raft guides and then raft guides out here. Um, so I knew a couple people who had, had lived in Jackson, had gone back east and then knew one who was out here. Um, but I totally moved here blind, like drove in in the night in the snowstorm and woke up in November. It's just like, whoa, this is cool <laughs> where I am. And that's that's how it happened. Now, did you have a place to live or anything when you first got out there or just kind of sent it? I was in employee housing for a couple of years, um, which was what you would expect it would be. It was, uh, it was, it was fine. It was a house, you know, but it was living with like four roommates and kind of dirty, kind of partying, with the typical ski bump stuff. I can imagine. Yeah, I feel like I, you, you've definitely opened my eyes to this, the fact that like Jackson in general is so difficult for housing and expensive i mean there's not much available out there yeah um jackson every ski town has issues jackson really does yep. um i mean it's it's like the richest county in the country now and 
big time income inequality. Um, and the, the unfortunate thing about the pandemic is it really changed these destination places because people could work remotely. Um, so, you know, maybe they're living in San Francisco and they sold their house for three million there. So then buying a two million dollar house here is nothing. Yeah. So we have that going on with people paying absorbent amount in rents because they could work remotely. Um, so that was challenging. And then really the real estate market just kind of doubled in a year, especially in Teton Valley, Idaho. So Victor Drake's um, that went from being affordable for kind of a blue collar worker um, or ski resort worker to, to really unaffordable without substantial help from your family. Um, yeah, that's, so that, that's funny you mentioned that. Colin and I were kind of jokingly looking at this like acreage in what, like uh, what town was that? Yeah, it was like an hour was, from Jackson. Was it? No, yeah, it was. Uh, was it, it was around. Yeah, Victor, Idaho. Yeah, it was like what was it? Like seventy acres, and it was like five hundred thousand when we first saw it, or three hundred thousand when we first saw it, and then within three months they bumped it from three hundred thousand to like one point two million. Yeah plus yeah, just yeah, for quadrupled. With nothing on it and yeah absolutely insane you did mention that i didn't know you spent 21 days on in the grand canyon yeah and so going into a situation situation like that how do you like prepare mentally that all right so i'm not going to be in society for like three weeks almost a month uh, well so i have a girlfriend um there was there was a bit of like, okay, this is going to suck. We're not going to see each other for that long. And typically when she's on trips, we can call each other. And, you know, we knew we wouldn't be able to do that. Um, but we got over that. I think she was psyched that I was going. Um, so that was the emotional side of it in terms of like physical preparation. I didn't do anything. <laughs> we just came right off ski season. Um, mm -hmm. And honestly, that kind of sucked because you're, you're rowing big boats and they get big wind down there and just big water. There's stronger eddy lines than I've ever seen. So it would have helped to have been in shape for it. Um, but I had hurt my neck and got a concussion like the year prior and was still coming back from that and kind of weak. So physically, the beginning of the trip was a little bit rough. And then packing wise, there's all these great outfitters down there. So we use Saba. And they do your food for the whole trip. So they'll have, you know, five coolers on each boat with ice and, you know, a couple of the coolers you won't open till later in the trip. So the food doesn't spoil. Mm -hmm. They give you things like your toilet, which is important and like cans yeah. to put your, you know, your, your poop in. Um, nice. Like nice, all, nice. All those things that you wouldn't have and are really important. Um, so they did a great job outfitting it. And then I had most of the gear from guiding. I had to get a dry suit. You didn't really need a dry suit guiding in the East. Um, yeah, so got one of those and that was it. Drove to Arizona and went on the river. Yeah. So any sticky situations during that <laughs> three yeah, months good, good or three weeks? Yeah. Like um, any Anything that like was like, oh damn, this could like we talked about earlier. Nature has has right. those times. Any any, any of those right. situations? Yeah. Um, the funny thing about river trips is they're mostly chill and they're kind of a big party. 
you're just sitting on a boat, you're drinking every day. Um, it's obviously a working vacation too. You're cooking your own food, you're setting up camp, you're, you know, packing the boat in the morning. Um, but in terms of sticky situations, the beginning of the trip, we kind of had some gnarly upstream winds and obviously it's the desert. It's very sandy. So we had a grueling day where we just didn't make the mileage we were supposed to and would like get kind of sucked into an eddy and blown back upstream. And you go like, you know, a football field up the river and you're trying to go down the river and you're like rowing as hard as you can and you find the seam and then this like crazy boil line comes up and then boom, you're in an eddy again, getting sucked upstream. And you're just like, this is ridiculous. We're, we're supposed to be rowing down a river. Um, so we had like one grueling day like that, where I, I had like a bit of a meltdown, my neck was hurting. And then we got to camp and it was this really wild windstorm. So we had to hike our, our kitchen stuff into this canyon and kind of get blocked by a cliff. And we, we cooked dinner there and we're, you know, just super tired. And then one of the great things about the Grand Canyon is you can sleep on the boats. So we would just put our Paco pad out in like the coolers and sleep on the boats. And oh, I remember it was, shit. yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's so beautiful. Um, but yeah, I remember it was so windy. I kind of created like a blockade above me. I don't know if it was with bags or something to try to block the wind and it was just howling all night. Um, it's crazy. So that was like the one day it definitely felt like more of an expedition than just the chill river trip. But after that, we locked out with great weather. It got hot. Um, everyone had really clean runs in every rapid. Uh, we, we had one boat in the party flip. Uh, there's this rapid where there's a rock in the middle and you really want to go right and not left. And if you go left, it just kind of recirculates you. And, and they accidentally went left and got kind of flipped on this rock. Um, and they were the first boat to go, so we couldn't really see what happened. So we're all like, oh, crap, we've been to nail our runs and go get them. Um, so we, yeah, everyone else had a clean run. We got down there and the boats are so heavy. They must weigh like 2000 pounds. They're like 18, 20 foot rafts with, you know, big coolers and all your gear and all your booze. And, um, so it takes like, you know, we got probably eight people on the boat with flip lines trying to flip the thing over. Um, so that was hilarious, a little scary. Oh, I bet. I can only imagine. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh. Oh, and the other thing, I'm just blabbering on here, but I love talking about the Grand Canyon. Oh, yeah. Um, while we were down there, a commercial raft flipped, and they're really big motorboats. And, I mean, basically someone someone drowned or got hypothermia. So we got to the halfway point, and a heli was lifting their gear out, and we talked to park ranger, and we're like, yeah, someone just died. So it's like, wow, this is, <laughs> you know, it's it's humbling. It's It's a wild place, so. Yeah, that kind of makes it a little more real when yeah, yeah. E- everything's going good for you, and then next thing you know, you see a helicopter lifting right. someone up. Right, right, totally. He, he, speaking of the raft flipping over, how many beers you lose when that happens? Oh, well, luckily, this was an experienced rafter who really had things secured, and we did not lose any beer. Um, That's awesome. I've heard of, good. I've heard of trips where they they flip a raft and lose their beer, and essentially, then you're floating down and finding your beers floating in the river. Oh, that's hilarious! So hopefully, you get them. Um, 
And obviously that's not great that you have you're littering beers, but yeah, we lucked out. We were fine. Plenty of no, plenty of alcohol. Tw- you know, almost a month out there. How do, how do you pack for that? Like what's your I mean, are you doing laundry? Like how's all that exactly work out? Or are you just embracing the suck with stinky clothes or run them in the river someone pack like some river detergent or something how's that work yeah. out i mean to generalize it you're definitely a bunch of dirty smelly people at that point um i think in the colder weather trips it's harder um because you're wearing dry suits or splash gear and you really don't want to go in the river and take a shower the second half of the trip, it got warm for us. So we were able to bathe all the time. Um, and I would bring like Dr. Bronner soap, which is pretty safe um, and kind of clean off that way. All right. So let's kick it back to Jackson. Sure. Right. So you you moved out there and you start skiing those mountains. Mm-hmm. Was it anything like you've experienced prior? Like, because you said that you went to Colorado and Utah mm-hmm. before. Um is Jackson just on a whole nother level when it comes to like the type of skiing or is it very similar to Colorado and in Utah? And um, It kind of stands alone. Um, mm-hmm. I had skied at winter park in Colorado, uh, which is really cool. They have like a great mobile skiing section in the mountain, um, but definitely doesn't compare to Jackson. Although I really like that place. Um, I had done one day skiing at Snowbird, and that's probably the closest thing to Jackson. Snowbird has a tram as well. It has big mountain terrain, spots where you can really open it up and ski fast. Um, It's steep. There's lots of rocks. Um, So that maybe prepared me a little bit, Uh, but I was still blown away when I got here. Um, And skiing in the east really does prepare you for coming out here. Like, most of the inbound stuff, I was like, this is easy. Like there's so much more space. The snow's better. Um, kind of everything I've been doing prepared me for this. Um, the one thing I wasn't prepared for was dealing with exposure. There's very few places in the East where you're standing above cliffs. Um, and I'm not, like, I know you guys had Adam on here, our, our good buddy. He's kind of a wild man and, um, isn't too afraid of heights and he free soloed that mountain in Colorado and I'm a little bit more nervous with heights. That's kind of why I'm a bike guy. I'm not a climber. You know, I like, I like wheels and sliding and moving. Um, so dealing with exposure was the only thing that I feel like the East didn't prepare me for. Yeah. I can only imagine being on some of those mountains. I mean, like my experience out there, it's, I didn't, I didn't get to any tops of any peaks. I wasn't there in the winter or anything like that, but just seeing how steep and tall those mountains are, especially when they jut out of the Valley, like you see, you just, it's like you're looking at a wall and I don't know how it feels when you're up there. I'll definitely have to change that um, and experience that someday, but it just, seems very daunting at least from the ground and i can only imagine if you're up there and looking down and seeing just cliff faces and and how steep everything and how big everything is yeah there's like the inbound skiing is is pretty gnarly probably the only stuff that kind of compares is maybe revelstoke in canada and kicking horse and places like that or alaska um but the the terrain's big and then 
you mentioned the Tetons. They're just so unique and that the valley is flat and then it's just like, bam, mountains. Yeah. And it's like the perspective's crazy. Sometimes they don't look that big when you're right under them. And then it's, you have, you know, the grand is six, 7,000 feet above you. Um, and then sometimes they just feel so massive. So it's a really cool mountain range that on either side you have just flat plains. Um, it's a, it's a cool Western experience with just tons of open space. And yeah, because I've never even thought about that. Because you know, out here you go from like the valley into the hill towns, then all of a sudden, after like an hour or so of driving, you hit Greylock or Medadnock or you know something with some actual elevation. Whereas yeah, the you're, you're not serious out. You're, you're not. You're straight up. I mean, telling the truth there, where it's like you're just flat valley, as flat as can be, and just boom, these things that have been there for so long are just so massive. Where out here you get the, like the nice rolling hills before then you you can find a peak but it's nothing like anything out there right yeah totally in terms of scale you're totally right um the one thing i'll say from the biking side is the because i ride mountain bikes and gravel bikes and road bikes and i'll do a little downhill and kind of try to do everything i'm not really that good at anything on bikes but um New England's just so rolly. It's so punishing. Like when you get into the hill towns in Western Mass and Southern Vermont or Northern Vermont, it's just relentless. It's just up and down, up and down. So from a cyclist perspective, I think the East is perfect for just training and getting good long rides with quiet roads. The gravel roads are amazing. Um, so like, I think people overlook the terrain in the east, um, but even from a hiking perspective, like if you're talking about the Adirondacks or the White Mountains, you know, they're just slippery rocks and really rugged. And and then you get out here and it's like more manicured trails and smoother. So I think here the scale is bigger, but New England and just those old mountains, they're so rugged and um People get their ass kicked in New England. You know, you always hear about people and the whites getting in trouble and it's, it, it is the real deal sometimes and it's wet and it's cold. And I mean, people are just hardcore in New England. Oh yeah, that's for sure. I mean, what is it? The 48 peaks in New Hampshire. Yeah. Is it 48 or 40? Yeah, it's 48. I don't know. Yeah. That's, that's the, uh, the goal for a lot of people hit the 48, four Kers. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely extremely diverse going from the West to the East. So now what made you want to come back during the summers to do the bike touring stuff? Yeah. Um, I mean, we touched on the financial side of Jackson Mm -hmm. that, um, I mean, unless you're, unless you worked in a city and made a lot of money and moved here. Like that's one way to make it or have a trust fund. Um, but it's, it's not for normal people. It's the most elite of the elite. Um, so that was the financial side of it is I was just like, I'm getting nowhere. You know, I, I still don't have a lot of money. (laughs) I'm starting to get on my feet and be more of a functional adult. Um, whereas like, you know, Austin here is crushing it, getting married, has a kid, (laughs) has a house. Um, I mean, you're crushing it in a more of a fun <laughs> way, though. I mean, very like fun, very yeah. stressful. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
yeah so the the financial side was part of it and then um we're really good community back east like i have you guys and that whole crew growing up with um there's a really good crew at berkshire east buddies that you know i grew up mountain biking with and skiing with and i, re I really like the people in the east just how real they are um and how hardworking and normal it was almost exhausting to me to be around wealth all the time that i couldn't relate to i just you know there's other there's bigger fish to fry in the world and bigger problems um and it kind of seemed like we're just living in this bubble here so Definitely. that emotional side of it was challenging um and i just realized like it was probably in the pandemic where it really hit me i was just like i'm not as happy as i should be for what i'm doing so it's it's time to mix it up and i had this dream of starting this business so that's what that's what brought me back is his business his friends his family so yeah so before we started recording you you talked about the difficulties of starting a business do you want to like kind of break down <laughs> those types of things because i mean i while i said earlier i'm trying to learn how to monetize my photography stuff um i've also tried to navigate the making myself a legitimate business and things like that and it's it's overwhelming like there's not it doesn't feel like there's that much like resource wise or just common knowledge wise that you can like easily google search all right how do i do this you have to like dig and dig and dig so is that is that something that you challenged or that challenged you heavily heavily yes yeah <laughs> um and you yeah you hit the nail on the head like they didn't teach us this in school there's yeah. so many things i wish we learned in school that would have been helpful oh yeah um yeah so it was very challenging um but rewarding and and stimulating to just teach yourself these things and then try to get good mentors to teach you um mm -hmm. And I mean, full disclosure to the audience, like, I don't know where my business is going. I'm taking a new job this summer because I just kind of need to make more money. Um, although I, I was semi-successful and my business got to a point where I think I could really crush it on the weekends um, and grow it into something. But the reality is it takes a certain amount of startup capital to get your name out there and float you through the growth period. And I didn't have that, um, which, you know, maybe it was a good thing because it was less risk, um, but it also made it harder. You know, if I only put X amount in, um, it made it harder to make it work. Um, yeah, so what else should I say about it? I mean, for, for you, Colin, there's a ton of good clients out there. And I think what's cool with photography is you can start, you can start it as a side hustle. Yeah. Um, you know, you don't have to quit your full-time job and just go for it because you can do work on the weekends and take days off and go on a trip, you know, like go do, go do a wildlife shoot in Yellowstone or, mm -hmm. or Glacier and take off for a week and do that. Um, so I think like when you're younger and maybe from a background where we are, where you're, you know, you didn't grow up with money, 
is just kind of dipping your toes in and then it's not as scary. And then you yeah. build confidence because like confidence, you can't just fake it. I mean, some people can, but they always kind of seem like they're morons. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, uh, it's something that I think gets built with like small success after small success. Um, and that, that was hard to do with my business. I, I did have to jump into it and it was scary and it was hard. Um, but like I, I learned a lot, a, a real lot and it's leading to good things. So no regrets, although most stressed I've been ever. <laughs> oh, I can imagine. I can't, yeah. I, it's especially taking that leap. Like I know that eventually if I want to do what I want to do, I have to take that leap. And it scares me all the time when I'm like, all right, how do I contact this, this person? Like recently I had, um, I'm trying to work out something with an Airbnb in New Hampshire and it's like, all right, I don't really have the portfolio of the cookie cutter thing that people might have, but Mm. I have the technical background or stuff like that, but I don't know how to be like, Hey, I want this amount of money for this shoot, um, or, or things like that. But just, just in general, I feel like business startup and and things like that and trying to know your worth and and know that you can succeed if you put your mind to it is it's difficult but it's definitely definitely so rewarding right yeah we should get you on the phone with katie because she'll have great insight there and and she's going through the same thing like she's maybe a little bit further along than you but Mm -hmm. just still figuring out too um and i think like seeing the bigger clients that exist in the outdoor industry as far as photography and video work i didn't realize how much money you could make in just it's crazy a weekend or a four-day event um or especially on commercial projects so it it's out there um and you have the talent to do it um thank you and it's and i think like also with maybe it's this pandemic stuff or maybe people waking up like they should get out of their house, spend more time outside, care a little bit more about nature. Um, it seems like businesses and commercials are, you're seeing more and more natural stuff in it. Um, so I, I think it's only growing and it's such a cool creative outlet. Like I, I always admire photographers from afar and, and I'm always like looking at terrain in the mountains, be like, how could I photograph that even though I'm not a photographer? So, I think it's really cool. I hope to take up a camera at some point and get that going I mean, too. It's awesome. You definitely should. You definitely should. I feel like anyone can be a photographer, especially if you you start look if you if you start looking at the world through that creative, but I also want to highlight what's there like I it's it's super rewarding. I mean, completely dangerous in a lot of situations. I'll be driving down the highway and see wildlife and be like wildlife focus on that instead of actually driving it's put me in some sketchy situations but um yeah it's it's photography nature stuff like that it's just so all of it is so rewarding and i hope that like can somewhat encourage people through my work and then through this podcast and and connecting with people like you to get out there and explore like i just 
I mean, there's there's so much to be seen, and it doesn't have to be all right. I have to go spend a hundred dollars to go see this show or go out to dinner or this or that. Like some of the best experiences that I've had, and I'm sure you have had, right. are where you go and walk out into the middle of the woods and you have a cool encounter with something or you see something cool or you're flying down a hill and get that adrenaline rush and, and, and things like that. It just, it's, uh, hopefully I think, I think people are starting to lean that way and we're getting there. We're getting there. Hopefully yeah. the right people, hopefully people learn the right way though. Mm-hmm. And I think, I mean, a lot of people are also kind of taking the roads you guys are taking where, you know, they're trying to be more self-sufficient, trying to do things on their own. I mean, I hold you guys both in the most highest regard because, you know, you're kind of chasing the American dream and, you know, doing stuff, you know, you're at the transition point in your life where I'm either going to start my own business or I'm going to, you know, do this to afford my own business. And you're just kind of taking leaps of faith and stuff. And I mean, it's awesome to see as, you know, your friend and also something to look, you know, track you guys and look forward to. And also see, you know, people are still doing that and you're doing something you love which i mean i think you guys should really you know give yourself a pat on the back for because it's awesome to see and just great stuff going on yeah thanks austin appreciate that man yeah and and colin on that note of just people getting out there some people and this just really sucks aren't fortunate enough to have that opportunity like it's obviously a very white dominated space it takes some money if you grow up in the inner city it's going to be hard and um i think we all try need to try to get those people out here more um but then for your you know the other demographic kind of drives me nuts when people are like oh i wish i could do that and it's like just go do it (laughs) you know go, go get out there and whether it's just like you live in Massachusetts and you drive up to Vermont and um, and go for a bike ride or go f- hike a mountain, um, you know, or you, you go on a road trip and go camping. It's just like, go do it. Um, and I think we're at this pivotal point with especially climate change where just the more people that can get out there and love it, the better. Because um, we need people to start to to vote for people who are going to make the right decisions and, um, you know, for business owners to make the right decisions and these rich, powerful people to invest in the right things. So, yeah, I totally agree. Like the, the more, the more we're out there and the more we're connected to what's real. Um, cause really for me, that's what nature is. It's the most real thing we have all this other oh, exactly. crap we've created, but nature is it. So, um, yeah, hopefully, people are waking up yeah i mean i i see it every day like a big unfortunate thing with at least the photography thing is is a lot of it is the the initial success maybe but maybe not i don't know the at least from like the entry point that i'm in on is uh there is a big focus on social media and things like that and, and being glued to technology and these people embellish certain ideas or, or try to make things unreal or, or this and that. It, it, I really don't know where I'm going with this, but I, I just got to say, like, if you get out there, you, you can, 
you can see what we're talking about. It's not about, you don't have to go on a 16 mile hike in the mountains. You don't have to drive three hours. You can go out to the local park and look at a squirrel, have fun. (laughs) And like, if you literally take the moment to sit there and appreciate what it is in front of you, I think it can give you so much more perspective than being glued to a phone or, or whatever can. And like the people that may not have the opportunity, like, I mean, completely full disclosure, can't always afford to go travel to these beautiful places. And I try my best to when I can um, and try to take the, the most of the opportunity and see what I can. But at the same time, I'm almost as exhilarated sometimes going to a trail five minutes from my house and looking up in the trees to see if I can see an owl or an eagle or a hawk or or something entertaining like that as I am looking at a mountain two, three hours away or a plane ride away. I mean, Tetons are on a whole nother level. I'll put those way out the window because that that place will always have my heart. Um, But yeah, just... I think appreciating the little things and, and photography has done that for me where I can look at the smallest details and maybe it's just me zooming in when I'm editing a photo and, and looking at the smallest detail or actually picking up on the smallest detail when I'm in the field that uh, is just, it, it's super rewarding. Um, so yeah, for the people that don't have the money to travel and get to the national parks or state parks or this and that, Go to your local park and and watch a squirrel run around because even though they're like everyday's everyday like occurrences, like watching them interact with each other and and you is is actually pretty fun. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's the stupidest example, but I mean, at the base base root of it, it's it's kind of what I'm feeling. No, I mean don't don't overlook what's in your backyard. Um, and I, I remember in college when I was taking these like environmental design classes just the studies that show if you have green space outside the building, how much more happy you are, productive, how quick people heal in hospitals versus people that don't have window views. Um, so like this, the science is all there and it's just like, just, just get, get your daily dose of that nature drug every day. Um, and it doesn't have to be somewhere crazy. Just just in your backyard. That, that's where it's at. Take a walk. It's that easy. It's that (laughs) you have no idea. I mean, if I don't get my walk in every day, there's a difference the way I am tomorrow. I mean, it's as simple as a half mile to a mile, two miles, whatever it is. Oh yeah. Get outside, take a walk, put keep your phone in your pocket, leave in the car, whatever. Makes a huge difference in your day to day. Totally. I'm grumpy when I don't when I don't go outside. We're we're all we're all happy and excited here. We're talking about all this stuff that gets us stoked. But, I agree, uh, man. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. Like, just, if I if I can't get out, I go nuts. I mean, at work, I intentionally sit in an office that doesn't have windows, so I'm not disappointed looking outside. I <laughs> yeah. mean, even if I'm down, I'm downtown Springfield, and I don't have any pretty view, like pretty view to look at, like nature wise. Um, <laughs> I kind of lock myself in a bubble there <laughs> so that when I'm out, 
I can absorb as much as I can. Um, oh, you're probably fired up when you get out of there. You're ready oh, to yeah. go. Oh yeah. I especially on a clear night when I get out and I'm like, all right, it's time to time to party. Uh Luke, thanks for coming on. Re- really appreciate your insight on a lot of things. It it's definitely been interesting to watch you grow, especially from the time that like we grew up together to now. Um and seeing you go away to school. I remember visiting you at UMass and having a good time there. And yeah, just like seeing what you did, like going out West is something that a lot of people don't do where we're from. Um, Leaving the area in general is not something that people do. Um, Not in a bad way, but it's a huge jump and it takes a lot of personal drive and also confidence in yourself to succeed to be able to do something like that so it's definitely something that inspires me a lot um and i love seeing you kill it and every time you post something online and sharing what you're doing sending it down a mountain or seeing videos from your brother visiting you out there and you both sending it down or stuff like that (laughs) it's it's awesome um so. Having a friend in Jackson, let me tell you, it's a great friend to have. I mean, <laughs> Adam and I touched on our trip there last time, but I mean, that was freaking awesome. You made you were a great host, and I mean, holy shit, you opened our eyes to so much. I mean, right off the rip, going up the Delta Lake, half dead, and then you know, Y'all are nuts. the night on the Elk Reserve, just drinking beers by the fire. I mean, that was legendary, and then, of course cowboy bar has my heart but uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no yeah dude no thanks for coming on i mean you're one of those people that i feel like i don't i definitely don't talk to enough but anytime a bike or you know someone comes up where they ask how you're doing it's like well you know he moved out to jackson and you know came back star his own bike company i mean i can't tell you how many people that conversation almost weekly comes up you know because biking the biking industry has grown so anytime it comes up i'm like hey you should check out Berkshire bike tours because my buddy's company is trying to grow it. So hit them up. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And that, that was a fun trip when you guys came out and it was so spontaneous and like nailed it with all types of different weather and classic kind of sandbagged you guys right off the plane. But I mean, it's sometimes it's better if you don't know what you're getting into. Just, just go. Yeah, I got to convince a co-op out here to, get the sloshies and on tap because oh be man Why don't you just take a moment to explain to the listener the beauty of a sloshy it's I like mean, that's all you <laughs> it, it's it's similar to the cumberland farm slushies we got as a kid except for generally healthier and made with better ingredients and then a healthy splash of whiskey or tequila or, or yeah it's definitely else. tequila oh yeah where, where do you where do you get these everywhere wait <laughs> so what, how did I, how did i hold on how did i miss this <laughs> oh they're I, oh man i need to take a trip out now they're they're a gift they're amazing yeah that in the car and the grocery carts with the beers on tap i mean yeah they they oh. people like drinking in wyoming i don't blame them yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, totally. Yeah, Colin, like on the, the Western Mass note, you're talking about that. I think Western Mass is going to grow into the proper like outdoor destination it deserves. I hope um, so. It, it's I such so. a hidden gem and, and 
people have been getting after it for a while, kayaking and biking and skiing there. Um, and it's only growing. And I think getting the next generation of kids really stoked, especially on biking and summer activities is, is really key. Um, and Western Mass is so great because it's like close to Connecticut, close to New York. We got all these people that live there. You got the colleges. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a good hidden gem. Maybe I'm talking too much. Don't, don't go there. <laughs> no, no, do um, it, do but, it, do yeah, it, explore yeah, it. It's so, beautiful. It's beautiful. Uh, it's often overlooked, but it is, it is often beautiful. driven through, driven but there's through. equally as good experiences in Vermont, New Hampshire right here. Right. Yep. Right. Right. Well, 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 cool guys. Thanks for having me on. And, um, we'll be drinking some beverages together this spring before we know it. Yeah, dude. Soon enough. April. I mean, that's like next month. Like, Like let's fucking have it. Half away. Yeah. It's scary how fast time is going right now. It's crazy. It's a good thing, though. It's a good thing, bad thing. I don't know. But we'll be there. And, uh, if anyone needs to learn how to bike, in western mass new england reach out to our boy luke if you want to send us a dm on instagram or send me a dm on instagram i can point you his way um or you can i'll have his information and stuff like that in the description of the episode Uh, but thank you everyone for listening and hopefully the next episode isn't a month and a half away uh trying it life is busy and we're tr- we're trying to to keep stepping it up, content wise and 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 conversation wise to keep you interested and keep you learning and keep you getting to the life outside. So thank you so much for wa- uh, listening, not watching. Sorry, uh, I don't and, think we're there yet, Colin. Yeah, almost, almost. <laughs> we'll do video podcasts someday. Maybe, maybe the the next rehash with Luke. We'll we'll do a video podcast around a fire or something. I don't know. But all right, so. Until next time, get outside, enjoy the outdoors, be safe, and uh, enjoy nature. Peace. Cheers, guys.